Hello and welcome to episode 175 of NCP. My name is David, and with me for this episode we have... Crystal. Hello. And Bo. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> it's going good, dude. How you doing? Doing good. You, doing sound, good, uh, you sound mighty relaxed, would you, by happen to be in bed? I am, laying in bed. <laughs> That's awesome. That's the way we Americans roll, man. <laughs> doing podcasts from our bed. With a, do you have a, a gun in one hand and a bald eagle on your shoulder? Yeah, there's a bald eagle. There's a, I've got a, there's someone is is wafting me with a giant leaf <laughs> and putting grapes in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but uh, I'm not having as much fun as uh, as young Bo. But by the end of this episode, we will. Okay. It'll be fun, fun, fun. All right. That's because uh, for this episode, we have some news. I don't often do news, but there's been a couple of events that I wanted to get your guys' opinions on. Uh, reviews, a whole bunch of reviews, in fact. Uh, the second Clash of Champions semi-final. Woohoo! The last game before the grand final. And Christmas hits the world of Warcraft in Azerothian times. Yay! <laughs> He's looking at me like I'm supposed to say something. <laughs> just, it's just me doing all the talking. There's no reaction. I need, some, I need some to and fro people. It, it'll come. All right. It'll, okay. All right. <laughs> so let's uh, let's uh, start up with some news. Uh, yeah, they're doing a continuation of the Harry Potter stories uh, in play form. So continuing on from the end of what's the last book called? Deathly Hollows. Yeah. Uh, Ken, you've got Harry Potter so. and the Cursed Child, uh, which at the end of Deathly Hollows you have a. An epilogue that shows the Harry and Hermione and Ron have grown up and have you know gotten married to various people and have had kids of their own, and so this deals with Harry's kid, who I think is called Severus, which I think is pretty funny, but uh, I, I could be wrong. But yeah, so it deals with Harry, you know Harry's kid and and Harry. the trials and tribulations of, of growing up as a Potter. Forget the Potter universe, but why would you do that to your child? <laughs> Call well, him Severus. I, I assume it's in order to. Well, I, I, assuming that I'm right, I mean, I could be wrong, but if it would be in on to honor Severus, no, no, I, a, I do understand like that. A, was, he was like a quadruple agent. Imagine, it was pretty cool. Imagine growing up with that name. Yeah, well, that's true. I, I could be wrong. I think maybe I don't know. I, I just I know he wasn't called Dumbledore. That would be worse. I'm not a Severus. I think. I'm pretty sure it's Severus. But anyway, so yeah, and yeah, Severus was the best character in the in the, in the books. Uh, but uh, anyway, so yeah, so like I said, it's a play and. Uh, so that means you've got to, you know, cast newer, older people. And because, you know, it's like 20 years later or something. And there's a bit of controversy because Hermione, who is traditionally portrayed as a Caucasian girl, as played by Emma Watson in the films, is being cast uh, with a, well, you wouldn't say African-American, you say African-English, British? You say African-British? I don't think they qualified in, in, in England. I think they just say black people. Do they? Anyway, yes. right, it's been cast by a black lady uh, named Noma Dim, Damizwani. I've stuffed it up. Damizwani. I don't know. Anyway, her first name's Noma. We're just going to call her Noma. Yeah, controversy. You know, it's, it's understandable controversy. I mean, it's, it's, we've, we've speak, we speak about we, we've race on this show, you know, on, on numerous occasions. And, you know, we have a zero racism policy on this show and uh, I'm proud to say that everybody who's involved in the show has the same stance um, it's just racism is a disgrace it makes no sense it's illogical it's stupid but um, 
I can actually, in this particular instance, I can understand why people were upset about it, but that doesn't mean I condone it. <laughs> so basically what it is, is, is yeah, she's traditionally portrayed as, as a Caucasian girl, and that's what it, the people, anybody who's seen the, the films, of course, would just instantly recognise Hermione as, as Emma Watson, who is a white girl. And um, a lot of people have, uh, have come back saying that, well, you know, she's obviously she's meant to be a white girl, and so it's, it's the whole, you know, politically correct casting a black lady you know, instead of a white lady business. Um, J.K. Rowling has uh, come back and said, well, Hermione's ethnicity is never actually mentioned in the books, um, which is true. It is actually true. Uh, The most you get is that she has brown eyes, frizzy hair, she's very clever. Um, In fact, J.K. Rowling actually tweeted that. Canon, brown eyes, frizzy hair, very clever, white skin was never specified. Um, Now, that's not entirely accurate i mean she see her ethnicity ethnicity is not mentioned um but it is fairly obvious that she is meant to be a caucasian girl um and there's also a drawing that jk rowling herself drew that clearly shows her as a caucasian girl um but what i want to what i want to point out is that well, A, I don't really have much emotional attachment to this I and mean, i wasn't a huge fan of the books i wasn't a huge fan of the book movies they are perfectly adequate yeah, they were perfectly fine. They're far better than, you know, the Twilight novels. So if you want your kids to read yeah, something... Yeah, a lot better than that, yeah. <laughs> read, read the Harry Potter books and ignore the Twilight rubbish. Um, but actually, I read the book, the first book, after seeing the first film. And when I was reading the book, I actually pictured Hermione, despite the fact knowing that she was a white girl in the films, I immediately pictured her as a black girl. Which I found, I, which at the time didn't surprise me. I was like, oh, well, I just, you know, obviously they just, you know, they did a slightly bit different bit of casting. But now I look, I look back thinking, well, why was I not, why was I actually not surprised? You know what I mean? I, just, I, just, I, I didn't think it was weird at that, at that particular point in time. And this is a few years ago, obviously. It's yeah. been around for a while. So um, now I'm not, I'm not sure. It was, it was a while ago, so I'm not too sure why I thought that. But actually in my head pictured a black girl. And... I find that interesting because a lot of people around the world seem to do the same thing. There's a lot of fan fiction pictures of Hermione as a little black girl. I read the first half of the first book before any of the films came out. Um, I don't recall that happening in my head, but it was a long time ago too, so I I can't really remember how I pictured them. Yeah, I can't really remember why. I I think I might have gotten it because of the frizzy hair and the fact that she's... I mean the the whole analogy, the whole mud blood analogy, is clearly meant to be the Harry Potter universe version of racism. You know what I mean? The fact that she's not born of of magical parents; she's born from Muggles. normal human. Mugg- what are they called? Muggles. Muggles. Yeah, she's born, she's a Muggle child, but she's actually magical. So, mm. um, so there was there was a very uh, there was a very definite racism sort of undertone to all that, and the derogatory term that they call her is a mud blood. So I think I might have gotten it from that. I mean, I mean that, that would be a very apt racial slur against black people. You know what I mean? So uh, maybe that's where I got it from. I, but I, I don't know. Honestly, I couldn't tell you. But people are upset, and you know, of course, it, it varies. It's uh, at the it, from the you know the black stormtrooper level of stupidity uh, to people who are actually who are generally like confused about the whole thing. It's like, well, if, if she was meant to be black, why didn't you demand she be black in the films? That sort of stuff. So, 
I don't. I don't think it really matters. I think if if you're um, a Harry Potter fan and you followed the films religiously, and then you're going to see the play, it might sort of jolt you out of the story for a little bit because suddenly Hermione's quite different. Mm. But I think, I think once you get past that, it'll be fine. Yeah. The rule on it to me is whether if if something takes place in the real world, and, I, and I'm not a I'm not a fan of Harry Potter, so I'm not sure. Does this take place like? in our reality or is this some like lord of the rings where it's like in a different you know planet with different continents and different races altogether it's our world have you not seen any of the harry potter films never seen any of okay it's set in it is set in our reality yes but the magical people live in sort of a a pocket universe it's never really fully explained but um so, so to give you an example to get there you have to catch a train um, from platform eight and a half or something, eight and whatever it is, eight and a half. So, huh. which, but it, but that is actually at London's main train station. So it's um, and is it is it like modern day? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, at one point they're having huh. uh, like a broomstick, magical broomstick battle over the skies of London itself. So you see the wheel and hmm. all that sort of business. So Harry almost gets the- run over by a bus and <laughs> various stuff. Gotcha. I didn't realize that. I thought it was like Lord of the Rings was a whole different world. Because my, my view on it's always been, like, let's say World of Warcraft. There was a character in World of Warcraft. Whether that character was white or black wouldn't matter. Because in that world, you know, there is no inherent racism, you know, it's, unless it's written into the story. They live in a different world. Hmm. But if it's based on our world, well, we do have certain areas of, in certain countries and certain areas of certain countries. And, and there are places where there are inherent racism and even systematic racism that may not be as overt. And so if you're saying white Peter Parker is the same as black Peter Parker, then that can't possibly be true because black Peter Parker would have grew up with a different set of issues than white Peter Parker would have, so it does matter in that case. So to, to me, to me, whenever they change races on characters, that's kind of the that's that's kind of the the gauge that I use mm. is is this set in actual reality or is this set in some mythical universe? Because if it's in a mythical universe, I don't feel like it matters unless it's a part of the story. But if it's set in our universe, I think it has to matter. Otherwise, you're denying that that you know minorities don't you know face issues that majorities don't face you know what i mean yeah i I think in hermione's case it doesn't really matter because she faced those issues being a muggle child anyway anyway yeah yeah i mean yeah actually i I just want to touch on what what uh what bo just said i i want to i want to deal with this a a little bit more extensively in in a future episode but i mean just to sort of touch on both like we actually we've discussed this ourselves this very argument and um, yeah. And yeah, the the Peter Parker analogy I think is perfect. Um, I don't quite agree with the fantasy versus reality thing. I mean, there is actually inherent racism in World of Warcraft, just to use an example, between the green skin and the brown skin orcs at the very least. Not to mention the humans and the orcs. But the, that's that's true. But yeah. it's based on it's based on like the figurative. It's based on a story that someone wrote. It's not based on oh well. In the '40s, these people didn't have certain rights, and so whether you whether you write a story about New York City today, you, you, that's just an understood underlying thing. Like it doesn't have to be part of your narrative. So that's yeah, that's why it's different. But narrative is created from reality. Like you write what you know. So yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll do that. We'll do. We'll delve into that in, in, a, in a future episode <laughs> uh, in more in depth. But the Peter, Peter Parker analogy, I think, is perfect. Um, it's and I have no problem with 
a race-changed character, as long as it makes thematic sense. Um, so, yes, Peter Parker could not be black. I mean, Clark Kent could not be black. It's just simple. It's just as simple as that. All for the for the reasons that Bo has already said. It just Clark, doesn't Clark work. Clark Kent, especially. Clark Kent, especially. Yeah, Clark Kent is actually my is my favorite example. Example. Yeah, it just it just does not work. Um, and but that doesn't mean you can't have a black Spider Man or a black Superman because they're a different character. Um, and that's been proven, yeah. you know, time and time again, and specifically with Miles and and uh, Val Zod. So it just, I mean, it just that's that's perfectly fine to me. Um, I think an interesting one is uh, is James Bond. Can James Bond be pl- be played by a black guy? James Bond, James the character is like this, it's a secret agent. Um, uh, there's not much, not much of a background about his personal. Right. Yeah, life, James so. Bond is a little different because we don't know much about his background, so we don't know whether we do. You, you we know. do know some very very good specifics. His parents were killed when he was young. He, he's Scottish. He grew up in Scotland. Well, wait a minute. What if forget about James Bond as a character? Can 007 be black? No, see, but 007 is James Bond. Yeah, but what if there was another 007? Well, then it wouldn't be a James Bond film. Yeah. Yeah, but see, I like that. I've always liked that fan theory that like it's just different people taking over the role. What uh, the of that story? Yeah. And Interesting. In, in that fan theory, he can be black. Yeah. Right. Like Doctor Who. Like Doctor Who. Yeah. Just like Doctor Who, yeah. Cool. See, Doctor well, Who can be black. Yeah, see? Doctor Who could, he could be black or a woman or anything because it, his background doesn't change because it is, his history is not based on race and, and he's from the Time Lords, which is a completely different, you know, set of, you know, social justices than, than ours. So, like, he, yeah. he could be any race or any, any sex or, or color. Oh, I'm, I'm um, t- I totally agree with that. But Doctor Who is a special case, and yes, he could be anything. Yeah, it's anyone. a special case. Um, yeah, but James I kind of think Double Seven might be the same way, though. Yeah, see, I, well, I don't follow that fan theory that the, each Bond is actually a different person. Um, actually, they are meant to all be betraying the same person. Um, and yeah, it would throw me to have a black James Bond. I must admit, but, but black people do live in Scotland. Yeah, exactly. That's, so I'd, I'd, I'd be accepting of it. It would throw me at first. I don't deny it. But it, I would, I'd be with it as long as it's not Idris Elba, because I seriously can't stand that guy. <laughs> um, but but uh, I like him. I like him. That's, I would, I, that's, that's the thing, right? I like him too. <laughs> but I just, I was I'm actually just, kind of hoping that he would that, that rumor was true because there uh, was a rumor that he might be there. So. He would be excellent. I don't deny it. You've just <laughs> but been I'm just tired of seeing you're just, him. You're just saturated. That's it. I've been albed albed to the death. <laughs> I've been alberated, but there's yeah. no doubt he would do an excellent, an excellent job. So yeah, so I, I mean, the James Bond I think is a perfect example. It's just I, just, he would. I mean, I'm not, I'm not dishon. I, I'm not. I'm, I'll be honest in saying that yes, at first it would throw me off, um, but at the end of the day, it it would per- it'd be perfectly fine. So bringing us all the way back to full circle, um, Hermione played by a black girl or black woman. I'm sorry, um, really doesn't affect me in any way. I mean, I'm, I'm not that emotionally attached to it anyway. I can, I, and I can, I can understand why people are upset, but don't be racist about it. I mean, seriously, there's just, there's just no need. It's just, it's not a racial issue. It's, uh, I think it's, it's what you're I think it's one of the few care from what you guys have said. I've never watched, I don't know who she is, but it sounds like because of, because of her being the, the, you know, not born of magic or whatever y'all were saying, he, she's kind of a character that can kind of work both ways. I think she's one of the few cases where 
it's it's acceptable to switch. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. There's yeah. nothing inherently white about Hermione's character. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's interesting because if they changed, if they turned Harry or Ron into a black man, that would have thrown me right off. Especially if Ron is it, notably notably yeah, a ginger, quite clearly described as Caucasian. Uh, yeah. So I then, mean, so he, then it's he, like, he's, well, he's what's going on? Main defining feature is his red hair. Yeah. So I guess it goes all the way. I mean, it's, like I said, we'll, we'll delve into it a little bit more deeply later. But it's just, it just, there's a lot of facets to this story that uh, that I really want to delve into, like the whole, you know, race war business and. One of the things we should so ridiculous and all the crap like that. One of the things we should talk about is it's like the reasoning behind it. Is it because of the? Um, I mean, I don't mean now, but when we delve into it deeper, is it because they've just picked the best person for the job, or are they trying to get the community talking about race relations? And yeah, well, I guess it's a combination of two. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about we'll talk about Star Wars Episode Seven later on when Bo does his review for it. But JJ Abrams specifically. I actually think J.J. Abrams went about it in a good way. Like, mm. he, he he basically said, I want racial and gender diversity in this film. And so he intentionally yeah. cut, uh, he intentionally uh, screen-tested a female lead actress and a African-American sidekick mm. actor and, and then picked the best out of those. Mm. So it's a combination of the two. It's, I specifically want a female... And now I'm going to pick the best female out of the bunch, yep. which the Daisy Tan has to be. And and I've got no problem with that. Absolutely no problem with that at all. I think it works. You know, and like, Star Wars is a little different because yeah. Star Wars is something that kids are going to you know look up to forever. Yeah. And for however long we've had it, just kind of you know I don't even think it was intentionally, but for you know however long Star Wars has existed for thirty years or whatever, you know we've had you know white male characters to look up to mm. and and you know as important as star wars is to the imagination and inspiring you know kids as they grow up and i, I think it i think it only makes sense that they tried to add a little diversity you know in 2015 you know yeah, yeah i'm with you agree. let's move on to uh that's a perfect segue into the next new segment which is max landis um, that's all I've got. I've just got Max Landis written there. Written there. Um, Max Landis is uh, the son of, uh, I believe, John Landis. John Landis. Yeah, John Landis, uh, the director of uh, many things, including the Thriller video and uh, American Werewolf in London and stuff. And uh, he's a he's a writer and he's of his uh, in his own in his own right. Um, so he's written uh, comics and uh, screenplays and stuff like that. Most notably, of course, Chronicle. He's a very talented young man. Uh, he's a very outspoken young man, and uh, he saw Star Wars just recently and immediately took to Twitter and uh, wrote, uh, I don't know the, the precise quote, but it was something along the lines of, they finally did it, they made a fan film, a fan fiction film with a Mary Sue lead. <laughs> <laughs> so but essentially, but essentially saying that Star Wars 7 uh, is nothing more than fan fiction. And I want to get, I want to get delve into that a little bit deeper because Richo said a very similar thing in our last episode, which I just ordered. Del- I didn't have a chance to delve into then, but um, but and also the fact that that uh, Ray, uh, the main the main character of the movie, is a Mary Sue. Now, point number one. Let's just get point one out of the way quickly. Is it a fan a fan fiction film? Of course it is. Any film that is not written and directed by George Lucas 
is yeah. by definition fan fiction. And a- Abrams <laughs> has said he's a fan of Star Wars. That's right. So, so he's a fan yeah. who he's, wrote fiction. That's right. It's just that, fan fiction. That, that whole analogy just really, There's really annoys me. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing depending wrong with that. Loose, depending on how loose you make it, George Lucas is probably a fan of his work. So anything he writes is fan fiction. You know? Like, anything, what anything. is non-fan? What is, what is like hater fiction or hater fact like what is the non oh I hate this I'm gonna write a movie about it <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna show them how they did it wrong exactly anyway so yes it's, so let's just get it out of the way yes it is fan fiction but it, of course it is it makes perfect There's nothing sense nothing wrong with it now um, Ray is a Mary Sue now this is this is an interesting conversation I just I, I want I'm very eager to hear your guys opinions now yeah, Richard was very vocal about Ray being. He didn't actually specifically use the term, um, but he, about about Ray being a Mary Sue character. So a Mary Sue um, or a Gary Sue, if it's a, if it's a male character, um, is essentially the <laughs> is the writer portraying themselves on screen in a kick-ass sort of way. So a Mary Sue character. It, it is in a nutshell is a character that can do everything. He's basically awesome at everything. Um, they okay. they became they became very popular in uh, fan fiction message board stories. You know, dealing with the Harry Potter universe, going back to the first story, and you know, Twilight and all sorts of stuff. So, Bella, for example, Bella Swan from Twilight is a classic Mary Sue character. Um, she's good at everything. She's incredibly popular despite never trying. She's very beautiful. That sort of crap. Now, is Ray a Mary Sue character? I want to hear your I, guys' opinions, I, and then I'll give you my opinion. I don't really think so. But even if she was, what's the problem with that? Indiana Jones is a Mary Sue character by that by that oh, definition. Yeah. Very much, and yeah. he's most beloved, one of the most beloved characters in the world. So I, 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 I fail to see how that's a criticism. Awesome, Bo. Anakin Skywalker was a Mary Sue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he had his flaws. Yeah, Anakin had some flaws. Well, he had some pretty big flaws, but because I mean, he turned into freaking Darth Vader. Yeah. Yeah. But like, you know, he built the droids. You know, see, and like, oh it's yeah, just too saying. much. Yeah, yeah. 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 Maybe his yeah, flaws are more to do with Hayden Christensen. <laughs> <laughs> it just, I kind of think, I kind of think that that kind of character is kind of inherent to the Star Wars universe because Ooh. you have, you always have to tell this story of like. Oh, this is the this is the lowest of the economic totem pole. I mean, if you think about it, Anakin and Luke, were, and and Ray are just the the lowest, the lowest, lowest, lowest of the. It, in today's society, this would be like the Ethiopian child that is going through garbage to get scraps to make a little bit of money so that he can buy one portion of food per day. Like it is the lowest of the economic totem pole. Somehow miraculously has this ability to become the the big hero and and that's a that's a theme not just of mary sue's but of star wars in general i mean that's been the way the main character has started and progressed in every movie exactly you know yeah yeah Yeah. and and this is a a fantasy film it's not meant to be depicting real life that's right so (laughs) all right well my opinion is is ray a mary sue character yes she most definitely is is that a bad? Is that a bad thing though? So go to what Crystal was saying. I don't think it is. Um, I think the reaction against Max Landis has been extreme to say the least. I mean, it's, it's, I don't always agree with everything he says, but 
He's being attacked left, right, and centre. I don't agree with people attacking him. I don't have to agree yeah. with him, but there's no reason to attack him. Yeah, and it really is getting real. I actually think his reactions... I watched a video called Max Landis Goes Mental Again or something crap like that. And it wasn't that It wasn't that at all. It's basically it's him quite calmly talking into a video about why he decided what he was saying. He, says, he said, you don't have to agree with me. It's perfectly fine. And your opinions are not going to change my opinions. But that doesn't mean that I'm not entitled to my opinion. Ah, but there's something. Um, your opinions aren't going to change my opinions. Or whatever you say is not going to change my mind. That's a little close-minded. You can have a good, well, good foundation. That's the definition of, of close-minded. Yeah, exactly. You can have a good you can have a good foundation in what you believe and, and have good reasons for it, but you should still be open to opposing uh, views and new evidence. He didn't, but he didn't say he wasn't open to it. He didn't say I'm not going to listen to what you have to say. He just said I've made up my mind. Yeah, he said you're not going to change my mind. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, yeah, you're right. He's closed minded You are right. Yeah, but is that is that wrong? I don't think oh, it's, that's, it is what it is. It is Dana, what it is. Yeah, Dana yeah. once said. On an episode of Star Trek, <laughs> are your beliefs so fragile that they won't withstand deliberation? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's <laughs> like not that. bad, not bad. Yep. Anyway, so is he? Is I mean, is he? Uh, is he completely right? Um, no, I don't agree with everything he says, but he doesn't deserve to be attacked for it. Um, I mean, one of the one of the things that's been leveled at him, which is one of the, the the main reason I wanted to bring this up, was that because he doesn't like Ray as a character and thinks that she's a Mary Sue, which he clearly is. Let's be honest, people. He says that that's a bad thing. So he said it's a fan fiction film of a Mary Sue character, and that's bad. And he's been attacked on the on the basis that well, here we have a strong female character for you know the little yeah. all the little girls. Going back to what Bo was saying, you know, for the children to look up to, specifically little girls, and that mm. you know that he's a bastard, that he's a sexist, misogynist bastard for not liking Ray as a character. Now that is just utter bullshit. Yes. It's just outright bullshit. He doesn't dislike her because she's a woman. He dislikes her because she's a badly written character. I don't want to say she's a... I wouldn't say she's a badly written character, but she's a very Mary Sue written character in a Star Wars kind of way. Yeah, okay. Well, I, like, I do like that. But it's, so, take it, so take it as an individual character. Okay, well, we'll say, okay, I agree. She's not badly written. She's just written a certain way. And she doesn't really have much of an arc. And it's... It's, so I can, I, mean, I, can, I can agree with what Max is saying there. But to dislike her, there's nothing wrong with disliking her as a character. And to say that he's disliking yeah. her just, just because that he's a woman hater yeah. is ridiculous. Like Mark Wade, for example, one of the, he's like a comic character that I, I admire a lot. He's, you know, Mark Wade, the writer of Kingdom Come, said yeah. that, you know, basically attacked him saying that anybody who doesn't like Ray as a character has a heart of, heart of glass or something, broken <laughs> shards of glass. Now, that's that's just outright ridiculous. You're you're allowed to to not like Ray as a character. I loved Ray as a character. I mean, I, was, I mean, I guess it's hard for me to argue against. I mean, I actually I thought she was great. But if you don't like it, does it's not the end of the world. Nobody says that you're you're a bastard if you hate Jar Jar. <clears throat> that's right. Yeah. So it's it's just I understand what I agree with you. By the way, I'm not I'm not trying to defend that that that's not true. But it's just one of those things where it's like if you're gonna come out and say that you don't like a strong female character, you kind of have to also like accompany with that. Oh, but I really liked the, you know, this because it's like, it's so easy for people that disagree with you to attack you that way. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, 
you, you shouldn't like if you really have an opinion about something you shouldn't deny your opinion but at the same time it's one of those opinions that that's like well i want to clarify that it's not because she's a woman yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's because i don't like the character you it's, know? it's kind of <laughs> uh, yeah it's kind of uh, reverse sexism people are attacking him because he's spoken about a female character if he said i don't like john mccain as a character no one's going to say well that's because you hate men <laughs> That is so true. I just, and I, yeah. I, I just think it's a sad state of affairs where you have to be ultra careful for everything that you say because you yeah. might offend somebody. You know what? I don't give a shit. If you're offended yeah, it's, it's, by what's being said, that's on you. You're the one who's offended. We didn't say something offensive. It's the vacuum of the internet, though. Yeah. I mean, it's regular people don't feel this way. It's just, it's just. <laughs> It's just the way the internet reacts to things. So yeah, so uh, so Max, if by any chance you're listening to this, I actually I actually tweeted, I stand with Max Landis. And, oh, now uh, I understand what that means. And uh, you know, I'm with him. I mean, I, you know, like I said, I don't agree 100 percent with what he said, but he has the right to say it. <laughs> he, he's allowed to have an opinion. I mean, I'll tell you what oh, he's got to do. I, though. He's got to get a different haircut. Have <laughs> <laughs> you watched any of the videos? He's constantly moving his hair out of his eyes. It's like, well, just cut the damn stuff. Uh-huh. Anyway. Yeah, and at the end of the day, we're we're just talking about a movie. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're talking about a character yeah. in a movie. Yeah, C- so calm, calm down. Yeah. Oh, anyway. Yeah, but we're, yeah, all right, but we're talking about one of the most important movies of <laughs> the last several years. I mean, it's it's. I get with I get the sentiment and I agree with it, but the Star Wars film is really it's really important just to history in general. I'm not even a Star Wars fan. I'll get into all this in my review. I'm not even a Star Wars fan. And I was super excited for this movie to come out, just because of just because of what it means to cinematic history. That would have been the perfect segue to your review, but I actually have one more news item. <laughs> so, <All right>. Sorry, <laughs> I don't, I don't, sorry to ruin the flow, but uh, I'm just going to I'm going to get this out here because I think it's damn excited. Um, I've become uh, very heavily involved uh, gaming <laughs> and stuff, and uh, like board games and stuff like that recently. Uh, mainly like you know Imperial Assault and uh, X-wing miniatures and stuff like that. And through that, I discovered a game called Star Star Trek Attack Wing, which is a terrible game, but it has you know reinvigorated <laughs> my interest in the Star Trek universe. It's really really exciting stuff, um, and uh, so I've been watching you know Star Trek, you know I've been watching Star Trek, and you know I've been playing the Star Trek online game, and uh, I'm level twenty five, yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> catch up with me <laughs> i'm trying i'm just I'm desperately trying to get to 40 so i can get my intrepid i get a free yeah, intrepid. I'm like 31 yeah i'm desperate um anyway and i started a romulan uh, you know romulan chick anyway but uh <laughs> yeah so that brings me to to so I'm, so I'm basically my ears are focused on all things star trek and of course we had the star trek beyond trailer um come out fairly recently which was a terrible trailer so it doesn't Not a good trailer but it doesn't give me a lot of hope movie. for the it's i mean it's part of the new new trek stuff and it doesn't give me a lot of hope for the film itself, but I did like when Justin Lin then come out and explained that he didn't cut the trailer. <laughs> like, I didn't make this trailer, people, and I actually don't agree with some of the shots they put in there, and so I actually quite respect that. So I'm, I'm 50-50 on this film. We'll see how it goes. But uh, the news is that there's a new Star Trek TV series coming in what? 2017. Yes. I, what? Do you not know this? I knew about that. No, I'm just playing. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> well, you're, you're the Trek man. I'm amazed you. We're, we're Trekkies. How would we not know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so it's coming to uh, CBS All Access, which is a, uh, what's the word, subscription service, um, which apparently yeah, has got like some... Yeah, it's like HBO Go kind of deal. Yeah. 
It doesn't get a lot of respect online, I must admit. <laughs> uh, people yeah, are quite upset HBO that it's coming. It's pretty popular because they have really good. They've got really good content on there, and maybe yeah. you know, maybe this will be what kind of turns uh, that service around. And I'm sure that's what they're banking on. I'm sure that's what they're hoping. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, so it's uh, it's been uh, helmed by you know, is it that helmed? helmed Did you yeah. say that uh, by uh, Alex <laughs> Kurtzman? Sorry. So I just got it. Okay. Uh, Alex Kurtzman and Heather Caden. Now, Alex Kurtzman, people will know from uh, the New Trek um, writing. You know, he's actually he he co-created New Trek along with JJ. Um, he's also been involved in a couple of other projects. I won't bag him too much because I know uh, Bo's a fan. <laughs> I'm not that big of a fan, I must say. What was it, Lost? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, his, his former writing partner was uh, Robert Orkey, and uh, okay. they suck. They well, just, they absolute suck. Uh, Heather Caden was, uh, has been, is involved in uh, some recent stuff, uh, Limitless TV show, uh, Sleepy Hollow TV show. Um, Sleepy Hollow you liked, didn't you? Yeah, I didn't mind. Well, I, I didn't mind it up until about halfway through season three where I was just like, you know what, I'm done. But uh, season one and two, I actually quite enjoyed. Um, so yeah, so you know, so it's it's got it's got some Trek pedigree behind it, of, you know. And I, I can only assume the other Trek people are going to be involved, you know, Michael Akuda and his wife and all that sort of stuff. Because it's not Star Trek about Michael Akuda being involved. Well, but, you need all the tech stuff. Yeah, you need the tech stuff. But uh, yeah, so the fact that it's on CBS All Access, people are a little bit up, uh, a little bit upset about it. But a new Star Trek TV series, how awesome is that? Apparently, it hasn't been revealed on whether it's set in new Trek continuity or old trek continuity you have to assume yeah, it would be a new trek i mean it would probably it would be silly to put it in as much as i want it to be an original continuity it would be silly based on the fact that the films now exist so people would be expecting to see new trek continuity so i not only that but they've you know they've given star trek online free reign to do what they want to with that story yeah and they would have to somehow rope it into that continuity Unless they just abandon Star Trek Online's continuity altogether, which I could see them, I could see them doing that as well. I just know that I know that they've given them their blessing. Like what they're what they're doing in the Star Trek Online universe is a, is supposedly you know blessed and is canon to the Star Trek universe. Would you go so far as to say it's canon? I know it's I know it's given the thumbs up and that it's it's fine as long as they they're not allowed to do certain things, but it's generally fine. But do, is it actually is it actually specifically canon? Because none of the books so, are. I think that I think that now that it's kind of died out and it's not in its heyday anymore. As a matter of fact, I mean it's probably one of the smallest MMOs you know out right now. Yeah. Um, then it's probably they've probably kind of like let them do what they want and they don't consider it canon. But I know that whenever it was coming out, whenever I remember on the launch day of it, um, that was one of the things that everybody was excited about was that the episodes were supposedly. Um, you know, canon to the universe, but again, that was that was whenever it was in its heyday and, and it had a bunch of subscribers before it got bought out by uh, whatever company owns it now. It's, yeah. It used to be Cryptozoic. Yeah, um, but it's, you know, it's, it's interesting that you brought Star Trek Online up because the da- the release date for the new Star Trek TV series is the same day that a major Star Trek Online patch is coming out. And oh, really? The rumors are oh. that they're wow. going to, that they're going to tie in. It's, it's, wow, it's inter- that would be crazy. Interesting that they would do that because um, back in my 20s, I was a big Star Trek novel reader and it was kind of common knowledge. You knew that 
whatever you read in the novels was not canon. It was only canon if it actually appeared on the screen. Mm. Um, so that's it's interesting that it's, that they would branch out that way. Yeah, I'm intrigued. I think it's if, kind of in a gray area. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't think it is. I think that it's. I think that, like you said, it's been given its blessing by the, by the uh, who is it? NBC? Who is it? Paramount. Paramount. No, but what channel is it that's doing CBS. doing a TV show? CBS. Yes. Yeah, I know that. Uh, I know that it's been given its blessing by Paramount and CBS. I, I'm not 100 percent sure whether it goes so far as canon. Yeah. I think at one time they were saying that. I really, I really do think that at one time they were saying that. Yeah. Do you guys have? What would you want the new show to be? Like, do you have an idea of what you'd want it to be? I would, well, like I said, I would, I would, I would like it to be in in current continuity. So I would, I mean, I wouldn't mind it being in the Star Trek Online continuity. It would, it would reinvigorate the the game. Um, and yeah. wow, that'd be a major, major coup for the game if uh, yeah. it worked out yeah. some sort of cross promotion type deal. That would be brilliant. But I just, just from a a marketing viewpoint, I just don't think it would make sense to do that. I just, it would make more yeah. sense to be be in the new continuity. Crystal, do you have an do you have a concept? Do you think I I don't I don't really mind as long as it's it's. Um written well and well produced I, I don't really mind whether it's set in the new continuity or the old continuity if it's in the old continuity I would prefer it sort of later on after Voyager to instead of going backward mm. but in the new continuity yeah I don't I don't mind either way but do you do you guys want like another where it's just a, a new ship and a new crew and they're on exploration and every episode is a new you know you know paradox or something or would you want them to try something completely different um, in a more, you know, because it would obviously have to be more story driven mm. uh, than old Star Trek, because that's just kind of the way television works now. Yeah, well, um, they did. They try. They try that with um, each new series, like Deep Space Nine. They thought we'll do something different. We'll set it on a space station, but then they ended up going off and exploring, and then they tried. Yeah. We'll, we'll put them in another galaxy, but it's still going off and exploring. I think that's a Star Trek tenant. Yeah, well, it's, it's to boldly go. Right. It's to boldly go and, and explore. That's the whole point of it. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, actually, think as much as I rag on Voyager, I think it was the best idea they could have done at the time. It is it's still yeah. it's it's so Star Trek ideas, to the nth degree. Star Trek in, a, in an unknown quadrant. The ideas behind Voyager yeah. were yeah. fantastic, but some of the episodes not so great. Yeah, the, the show's, the show's they like, did have some really good episodes too. Yeah, well, that's true. Um, so but, that's that's all of them, though. I mean, there's there's. <laughs> Every series is bad episodes and good episodes. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Um, um, so yeah, but actually, I mean, I would, I would, I would very much like them to tie it into the game and have the storylines yeah, that, really that have cool. been happening in the game. I think that would make a lot of sense. But anyway, do do you have an idea? I think I've talked about it before on the show, but there there is an episode of Voyager where the holographic Doctor is, you know, he's doing his daily routine, but he kind of notices that things are a little funny today for some reason, and uh, Reginald Barkley you know, comes in and he's like, you know, doctor, or I think he might've even called him captain. He's like, captain, we were trying to get in touch with you, you know, all day. And you're not, you're not, we're not able to get, uh, you know, thank God I finally got in touch with you. And he's like, captain, I'm just a holographic doctor. I'm not a captain. And he's like, no, 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 no. You think you're a holographic doctor on a, on the starship Voyager and you're stuck out, but you're not really, you're on the holodeck. You're the captain of the ship. And you've been trapped on the holodeck for three days. We've been trying to get in touch with you. And, 
you have to end the program so that you can, we can't end the program for you. You've got to end the program. And the doctor is torn between whether this is reality or not. And, and you know, he tells him, in order to end the program, all you have to do is, is destroy the ship. If you destroy the ship, the program will end. You'll wake up in the holodeck. You'll be back to being captain again. And the doctor is not, a, he's not sure. Obviously, it wasn't, it wasn't fact, or that'd be the end of the show in like <laughs> season three. But like the doctor is playing out the whole episode where he's trying to decide whether to get Voyager home as soon as possible because that will end the program or to destroy the ship um, if the other reality is true. So it's kind of like I think they could base a whole show off of this one concept of just, you know, the captain of the ship could you know, not be aware of whether he's on a holodeck or not. And the whole show could give you clues both ways. And, and you could, all the viewers would be trying to guess, oh, no, I think he should destroy the ship because he's on the holodeck, obviously. Or, you know, I think he should continue the mission and go home because the other guy is, is on the holodeck and it's all, it's all of which reality is real. You know, they could kind of play with that. I, I think they could do a whole show on that one episode of Voyager. That's, and that's, I think it would be a very modern take of Star Trek, too. Are some of the clues that the holodeck uses uh, like a sequence of numbers and a polar bear and stuff? Yeah, it could be a hatch and just all kinds of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That whole episode sounds very much like uh, the plot of Total Recall. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. That's the same concept. You're right, you're right. That's that's a fascinating idea. Intriguing. Yeah, Mm. intriguing. Um, Well, with that... Uh, yeah, let's move on to the reviews. Yay! Ready to rock. So uh, first up, we've got uh, Yumbo and his review of Episode Seven, The Force Awakens. Uh, well, Star Wars Force Episode Force Seven, The Force Awakens. <laughs> so, how do I even? Re- I mean, like you guys have already talked about it. The whole world's already seen it. Like, how do I even review? And the people that hadn't seen it, I don't want to spoil it. So, like, how do I even? <laughs> How do I start to review it? Well, I tell you, uh, I tell you what. What we'll do is we'll we'll call mild spoilers. All right. So um, I, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try not to give any spoilers. We're obviously gonna talk about Ray. You know, she's yeah. the main character. No, I didn't even really realize that going into the movie. I didn't even realize <laughs> that that's the way it's gonna play out. Really? And and yeah, really. Because I'll be honest with you, I didn't do any prep for this movie. I have always said that I am not a Star Wars fan. <laughs> what I mean by I am not a Star Wars fan is if I were in a comic book store and there's, you know, two nerds at the ca- at the cash register talking about something from Star Wars, I'm not going to join in that conversation. I'm not going to know what the hell they're talking about. I'm not going to I haven't I don't know enough about Star Wars to join into that. I've never read any of the, I read like two chapters of one of the Jedi Academy books <laughs> and I I just Compared to those people, I am not a fan. Right. Now, if I were at a gas station and there's two regular dudes talking about Star Wars, I could probably jump into that co- that that conversation, yeah. mention that on shot first, and tell them what that means, and then I look like the biggest Star Wars fan in the world. So what I mean by I'm not a Star Wars fan <laughs> is in a comic book store setting, I'm not a Star Wars fan. <laughs> Compared to your average person, your everyday person, I probably am a pretty big Star Wars fan. They would probably consider me a Star Wars fan. Can I just, so, can I, sorry, can I just interject? I just need to correct one. It's just a very yeah. a very common mistake. Han doesn't yeah. shoot first. Han is the only one who shoots. <laughs> I like that. 
Yeah, thanks. Han shot. Yeah. Shot. That's Han shot. That's, That's all you need to know. Yeah. I, I didn't do, I was excited about this movie, but honestly, I was more excited about Warcraft. Even on the drive <laughs> to go see this movie, I was telling Becca, man, I hope they show a Warcraft trailer. Um, you know, like, I really want to see the Warcraft trailer. Yeah, I got to tell you, man, that the fa- my favorite bit from the, the Asmund Gold episode was when you said... <laughs> There better not be any women sitting in front of you. Because yeah, they're all getting <laughs> pregnant. <laughs> so, so going into going into, but I was excited because I understand the importance of, of Star Wars to cinematic history. What we yeah. were just talking about earlier, um, and this was something like whoever thought that like who whoever put together that one day Disney is going to buy Star Wars. George Lucas, and they're going to re, they're just going to reinvent the the entire thing mm. by continuing the story. You know, we got the prequels, and it was like, oh, you like Star Wars? Well, this is how it all came to be. Here's everything that led up to it, and then you know, there it is. Whoop de doo! This is a continuation. Like this is this is the rest of the story. Yeah. This is something that that no one ever thought since the seventies that they were ever going to get, and then this sequence of events happens where not only we got it, but we got it from the director that directed Star Trek. So we live in a world today where you know. I, I didn't watch – we were talking about Harry Potter. I've never seen any of Harry Potter because I said I'm a Lord of the Rings fan. Mm. And I feel like you can't be a fan of both. You can't be a fan <laughs> of Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings. Why you can't not? be a fan of Star Trek and Star Wars. What? The amount of energy that it takes to be a fan <laughs> of one is subtracting from the amount of energy it takes to be a fan of the other. Lies. We live in a world today where J.J. Abrams directed Star Trek and Star Wars – I mean, this is just peace on earth. Like, it's just all of humanity is going to hold hands after the third Star Wars movie because we have finally done it. The walls have have fallen. We finally, humanity has finally come together. (laughs) So, So going to the movie theater, I was excited to see this movie, not as a Star Wars fan, but just as a human being living on the planet Earth where we finally got a continuation of the Star Wars trilogy. Holy crap. J.J. So Abrams has brought about peace on Earth. I'm, I mean, I am a, I'm a massive Star Wars nerd, and even I didn't have those thoughts. I was just like, yeah, well, I'm going to see a new Star Wars film. That's just awesome. But, but in all truthfulness, uh, I, I really do. The main thing I liked about the movie is, is not anything storyline related, so I can easily talk to you about it without spoiling anything. You know, I went and saw it opening night. I had to wait two hours in line to, to finally get into the theater and see it. And every and I hate being in a packed theater, yeah. but I knew that this would be good because everybody there is a Star Wars fan, probably a bigger fan than me. And I knew that I was that everybody there was there to enjoy the movie. No one's going to be throwing popcorn or talking in the movie. I knew I knew it was going to be a great experience. And you know, during the during all the revelations scenes, you know, whenever they would either do something that was like an homage to the fans or, or they revealed a character or, you know, whenever they revealed the Millennium Falcon for the first time, the entire theater would just, you know, cheer and joining into that experience was just, you know, even it's like going to, it's like going to a football game and you're not a football game. You're not a football fan in that moment and in that energy, you can't help but to be, you know? So, I mean, it kind of wins you over just being a part of the experience 
And, um, you know, to me, you know, from J.J. Abrams to all the actors, just everybody involved, it just seemed like everybody involved knew this, the cinematic history of this. And it just seemed like everybody, you know, wanted to make sure that this was a, as perfect as it could be. And I can, you know, every every scene in the movie i felt like i could see why they made that decision and it seems just it seemed just just fit together you know perfectly cohesive in this one bottle story that you know is going to spawn the next two movies that to me was the biggest thing that i appreciate was just the attention to detail and the amount of reverence that i I felt like they had towards making making the movie um now you know i'm sure that you know you know you're you are a star wars fan Hmm. um and I'm sure that there's a lot to the story that I don't actually know. Um, you know, I know that there was, you know, what from what I remember from the books, that was the whole, like, you know, twin thing, and we don't know how that's working out. It doesn't seem like it's working out that way. Uh, there's a lot of things. I don't know where this is in the timeline compared to the book I read. And, you know, there's a, a lot to the actual story and where they're going from here that I'm not exactly sure of. Um, but just, just the movie and the way it was, way it was built, was what I enjoyed most. I mean, I mean, I really feel like they they put that they that they put it all together with such attention to detail. I'm sorry, the the twin thing you're talking about, Jaina and Jason. Yeah. Oh right. Okay. So not Luke and Leia themselves. No, 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 no. Yeah, oh, okay, I know okay. that. All right. Well, without, without, without spoiling, I, I won't I won't give my ideas, but just so just to help you out, um, all of all of the expanded universe has all been has been wiped clean. So the only things that are canon are the films, the original films themselves. And the Clone Wars cartoon, and of course now Rebels. So only anything that's not produced by Disney, the only canon stuff is the films and the Clone Wars animated TV show. Yeah, well, it's hard. It's hard for me to give this like a fair review because I think that I think that I've been kind of just overwhelmed by the by the fandom of it. Um, <laughs> but, but I liked about this movie a lot of the same stuff that I liked about um, Mad Max. Yeah. Um, the, the way there was and, and and thinking back about on Mad Max they must I bet he pulled this from Star Wars because this is not this is something that Star Wars has done in the past not just in this movie but they did it very well in this one but this this there's just this culture of things in the background that you see and it, it sparks your imagination to think oh I wonder what that little thing is over there and, and how does how does he live that way or you know what you know you just have this whole idea that there's this there is these pieces of the universe that you don't know, but that there's a world going on outside of this story that you're being led into. Mm. That there's an entire you know world outside of that that you can kind of make up in your own imagination as to what what that is. And that was my favorite thing about Mad Max, and I, and, and especially I think they did that very well in, in this movie. Um, and just all the characters, um, I, I thought that you know I always felt like the prequels didn't have a really good balance of humor and action. I thought it leaned a little more towards the kitty humorous side. Mm. Um, and this movie definitely had that. Um, and that's what my wife loved about it. Um, but uh, it, I didn't feel like it was overdone. I felt like it was right. You know, it maybe worked its way right up to the line, but didn't cross it. The only thing that I can say that I missed from this movie is in the prequels, there was a lot of, there was a lot of like uh, sword fighting, mm. but almost like in a martial arts kind of movie sense. Like there was a lot of, 
you know, Darth Maul had the double lightsaber, and you know, there was a there was a whole lot of like, you know, martial arts style lightsaber battles. Mm. I felt like this movie didn't have that. Now, storyline wise, I understand why it didn't have it. We we in this movie we don't really have like the Sith, you know, master that we had in Darth Maul. We don't have, you know, the there's no Qui Gon Jinn or anything like that. So I understand why this movie didn't have that, but um, it is something that I kind of felt like I missed from from the star Wars series. Um, but you know, other than that, I really, I really loved the movie. I, I really thought it was great. And, uh, I got to say it's in my, it's definitely in my top three movies of 2015. And I give it a five out of five. Whoa. Wow. Five Luke's. That's cool. Five Luke's. I cool. Am, I am awesome. Did, I am pleased. <laughs> did you have a favorite character? Favorite character is probably Ray. I've already got like three different paintings in mind that I want to do of Ray, and I don't want to say I'm here because someone will steal my idea and do it. <laughs> Fair enough. Cool. Yeah, uh, I'm very glad that BB-8 turned out to be a cool character, as I said last time. Yeah. Very glad the little thumbs up bit. Yeah. Yeah, the, you're spot on with the humor step. My favorite one's the the one when uh, Kylo's going sick in the in the room, and the stormtroopers turn the corner and and uh, see him going mental and just turn around and walk away. <laughs> Yes, yes. You know, like, I did think that the humor thing was right up to the line. Like, I remember Mm. sitting in the, and I was young whenever the prequels came out, and I remember being in the theaters, even when I was younger, and thinking, like, oh my god, this is enough C-3PO R2-D2 jokes. Like, I I get it, I get it, move on, George Lucas. And... (laughs) And I watching these movies because of that experience, I was worried that it was going to be that way. But I really think that they had just. I think that I, I think that maybe it was just on the brink of being too much. But I don't think they went overboard. I think that I think that me being an older fan and, re, and remembering that uh, is is kind of what made me worried that that might happen. And if I were twelve years old today and watching it, I don't think I'd even notice. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Awesome. I try. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, let's move on to review two. Uh, so this is a, an all-in review of Fargo season two. Uh, now, I'll just start off with by saying that uh, we watched this on uh, one because a we wanted to watch it because we we're a big fan of season one, but also on Bo's unbelievably positive recommendations. So. Uh, yeah, but, so I, if I might you, have let you down, David. I might have let you. Down. Well, well, we'll get to that. So, um, so when we last spoke to you, you reviewed uh, it up to episode nine, where you said uh, what I thought was yeah. a, an excellent quote, where you said that episode nine was the weirdest episode of television you've ever seen. So yeah, so we'll get uh, Bo to um, to uh, control this review and uh, finish up your, your your thoughts on now that you've actually seen the end of the season. What do you think? Yeah, so I still stand by what I said about episode nine being like one of the craziest episodes of television I've ever watched, mm-hmm. uh, and and I think that honestly I think they sh- could have worked that episode into being the finale because the finale episode wasn't terrible, but it didn't give me everything I wanted to get out of a finale to, to season two. I kind of thought going in that this was going to be a show where each season was a bottle story with only minor connections, but I feel like the way this season ended, the next season has to build off of that. It has to take place right after that, right? I mean, do you Mm. agree? Do you think they're going to go to something completely different? No, well, the next next season is actually after season one. 
Yeah, exactly. It's got, it's got to be right after season one. Hmm. I kind of thought that it was going to be similar to American Horror Story, where it's like its own story each season. I really think that it's a continuation of the same story, but just told out of order. Yeah. Which is okay with me, but that's just not what I was expecting. Right. Whenever I got the fin- when I got to the finale, this was my first realization of that. The season one of this TV show is one of the best first seasons of any TV show I've ever watched. Hmm. Um, and then season two was was a great all in all it was great, but I really just like the whole thing. You know, I, you know, I don't want to give too many spoilers, but the whole language thing. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Hmm. The language symbols thing. Yeah. I, I didn't like that conclusion. I didn't think that that explained anything and they can't be telling the truth about that and also they didn't really you know i kind of like the idea that the indian guy is is kind of a you know going to be kind of an open-ended thing where where we don't have complete closure just yet but but i just thought they i thought they would have more closure than what they did oh no but there is there is complete closure on the indian story well i know what you told me about how he's in season one but with plastic surgery yes but I just, I just, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I didn't get the closure out of this season that I thought I would get. Yeah. But that being said, I still really liked it a lot. A lot of times with TV shows, like, you know, I hate to bring up Lost again because you guys say I say I do it all the time. <laughs> Dude! But a lot of times with TV shows, you have to kind of take in the sum of the whole thing. Yeah. And that it was the journey is, is part of the enjoyment. Mm. Um Otherwise, they would have condensed it to an hour and a half, and you would have watched it all at once. That being said, I really loved this season, but I just didn't get—I didn't get the closure in the finale that I thought I was going to get. That—that's all. That's all I got. <laughs> what did you guys think? Because you watched it, right? Yep. I—I I, did—I did feel it like I, the closure was fine for me. What? One of the weirdest things, though, I think, talking about episode nine, is just having Martin Freeman narrate for no particular reason at all. (laughs) (laughs) What happened? The episode nine, the the British narrator, that was Martin Freeman. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. Yeah. Was he also the narrator in episode two? Because there's a narrator right at the end, you remember? Yeah, no, he's he's the narrator in episode nine, but the narrator in episode two is uh, is an an American actor. Yeah, so they just they pulled Nygaard out. And yeah. <laughs> well, it's the weirdest. It's the weirdest. The, what I like about that show is it is just the weirdest show. I mean, like, they they do things in that show that other shows couldn't do and get away with it. I actually agree with basically, essentially everything you said, Bo. It's, it's, uh, I wasn't disappointed with the last episode, but it, what, I actually think it would have perfectly ended at the end of season nine, which was was brilliance from start to finish. Um, So I I actually... So, I mean, what happens in season... In in episode 10 needs to happen in order to close off the the various plot points. Mm -hmm. And they did an excellent job of doing it, and that's perfectly fine. I especially like what happens to um, the black character. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, Um, that was really... I mean, that that makes perfect sense. And uh, based on everything he's he's done up until that point. But, yeah, I I actually think the, the end... The conversation that that the three of them, like the you know Patrick Wilson and his wife and and um, Ted Danson's character, are all the, the conversation they're having should have been well I, I, this, uh, at the end of episode nine, and then ended the yeah. show. Um, but I mean, there was a couple. I'm, I'm just glad. I'm glad we didn't see uh, Patrick Wilson's wife. Peggy is it Peggy? 
Molly's mum. I'm glad we didn't see Molly's mum no, actually. Peggy is Kirsten Dunst's character. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, um, so Molly's mum. I'm glad we actually didn't actually. Even though we know that she dies between season one and uh, season two and season one, I just, I'm glad that we actually didn't see it because mm. I just thought she was awesome. Um, I agree yeah. with what you say about the the language, the language thing. The language thing. Um, I don't buy that. Yeah, I'm just trying yeah. to be very careful about spoilers and stuff. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think season episode nine wasn't the weirdest TV episode I've ever seen, but it was awesome. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind episode ten if you look at it this way. It's it's an epilogue. Yeah, and and I and I quite like epilogues mm. that, that tie up the list ends bit, and it gives you a little bit longer to stay in that universe. I hate things that end sort of suddenly, and then you there's nothing. Oh, I'm with you there. It did a far better job of tying up the the ends than episode three, the Revenge of the Sith did. Mm. I mean, it all makes perfect sense. Um, and and yeah, the <laughs> the revelation that uh, the revelation that uh, the Indian Hansa eventually then becomes Moses Hansi becomes Moses Tripoli. Is just mind blowing to me because it's, I mean, that's some pretty damn impressive plastic surgery. You know what I'm yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's that's pretty impressive stuff. Um, it, but on the flip side of that, it's actually a bit of a disappointment because yeah, he's I mean he's gone on to live a new life and and exact which is exactly what he is. I'm, I'm sick of living this life. So, but now how do how do you know that that's what happened? Because he's, oh, he's, he's given the, he's research. Given, he's given the um a new identity card that says Moses Tripoli. Yeah, and Moses really? Tripoli's and Moses yeah, Tripoli's he's, he's, in the first season. Yeah, yeah, he's given us a social security card with Moses Tripoli. Yeah, on it. that's right. And the guy then right, explains why he, does, he chose he says that why name. Tripoli. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and Moses Tripoli is the guy in season one who, uh, who's based one of the mob bosses who uh, he orders the hit on Billy Bob Thornton's character, Melvo. Yeah, Melvo, who then in turn gets killed. Yeah, I, I just looked yeah. up a picture of him. And I remember him. From yeah, so one. it's yeah. it's pretty impressive place to search, but. But uh, yeah, but I'm with you as a whole. Actually, I I love, I love these series, Fargo. I, I love the the hyper real element to it. Where it wasn't unusual to have a UFO show up. Yep. You know, it, it's and just great. I think the way they use the split screen in this season yeah. is just perfect. You don't. Oh man! It doesn't split feel screen. like you're watching two split screens. You what feels like you're watching the same scene from two angles, but it feels quite yeah. natural. Yeah, and whoever the I didn't look it up, but whoever the sound. Person is who was in charge of the sound, and I mean by sound I mean effects um, and music. Is just having a field day with this show, yep. and uh, it's just it's brilliant. That's that. I think uh, that's how the Birdman soundtrack should have been. I love the Birdman soundtrack. Yeah, but the music is yeah, really like overpowering at times. I think, but it's intentionally overpowering because that's his emotional state at the time. Too overpowering, is what I'm <laughs> but we're not reviewing Birdman. <laughs> anyway, so uh, yeah, so dude, uh, finish it up with the, so your final thoughts on the now that you've seen the whole season. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can't wait for season three. I, I still, I still loved it. I just, I was just surprised that it wasn't a bottle. It wasn't a bottle story, yeah. which I, I think what they did was was genius. I think, I think what they did was they said, well, if we start. If we had gotten this season as season one, it wouldn't have been as impressive. Mm. I think what they did was let's let's do let's do an interesting season that can that can introduce all the characters and the storyline and how it connects to the movie, and let's put that at the beginning, and then we'll go back and we'll tell the prequel seasons up to this story. And I think that's what they're going to do, and I really like it. I, I I actually think looking at it that way. It's a really good way to look at it, and it makes me appreciate it. Um, but I just the last episode didn't have everything in it that, that I thought it was going to have. 
you know, it wasn't like the last episode of season one, you know, hmm. where everybody that was supposed to got their comeuppance and everybody that, you know, was, uh, wasn't supposed to got what, what they deserve. So hmm. I'm just anxious to see season three and I know it's going to be good. I, at this point, they've gained my trust. Like anything they do, I'm going to go along with. Um, I wonder if the whole extraterrestrial thing is going to continue in the season three or if that was just the theme of this season and they're never going to mention it again. You know, I could see a show like this going, going, well, we're just never going to touch on, on that again, you know? I don't, I, don't, I don't think, I don't know if it'll be mentioned because, I mean, what I liked about it is that in season one, he says, you know, I've seen some shit. And then season two shows the shit that he's seen. And, <laughs> and because, because yeah. season three is set after season one, so season three doesn't occur between two and one, it actually is set after one. So it's set in you know, the two thousands. So I, Oh doubt, really? Yeah. So I doubt they'll have that same. Oh my God. Point. Now it's getting really confusing. Yeah. yeah. Cause I mean, each, and each one sort of has sort of a theme. So if you think, so season one has the possible supernatural element. Season two has the possible science fiction element. So I, I can only assume that season three will have a separate element. Yeah. Who knows? You know what I mean? So, yeah. I love to say that my, my, favorite line for the whole series is it's just a fly towards a hun come on <laughs> but um yeah I, I quite enjoyed it and um I, I do think i liked it better than the first one and what it's what it's done for me is i was never a big fan of the film in fact i got halfway through it and gave up on it mm. much to uh, our friend karen's disgust yeah <laughs> um but i've been thinking maybe i should give the film a second go yeah watch it tonight well there you go there's no maybe about it (laughs) the decision's been made cool so let's uh finish up with myself and uh my mini reviews okay then um alrighty then uh so first up we've got Sinister 2 uh as the title suggests the sequel to the horror film Sinister it's being distributed by E1 Entertainment uh in Australia at least by E1 Entertainment uh directed by there's no way I'm going to pronounce that right. Ciarian Foy? I think it's Clarion. There's no L, that's an I. Oh, is it? Uh, yeah. Anyway. I'm, I'm more used to my a very, it's a like... fascinating name. Whoever you are, you have an awesome name. Uh, C-I-A-R-A-N, Foy. It's um, a name David Eddings would be proud of. It is an awesome name. Uh, it stars um, James Ro- Ransone and Shannon Sossaman and uh, Robert... And D'Artagnan Sloan. How awesome is that? Uh, Robert, Paul Robert just gets Robert. The other guy gets D'Artagnan, uh, who are twin boys. Uh, the story is uh, set uh, after the events of Sinister. So just very briefly, Sinister is about a, um, a writer, uh, as played by Ethan Hawke, who uh, moves in with his family into a house, and he, dis- he discovers in this house a collection of films. The film started off with, you know, pretty idealistic sort of family movie type bullshit, but then turns into uh, a horror scene. So basically someone then kills the family that's predicted in these films. Um, and the, it drives him insane and there's a boogeyman character and all that sort of stuff. The second one uh, is based on uh, James. So James Ronson's character he was a police officer in the first world. And he, in the sec- after the, the events of the second film, uh, the first film, he's decided that he's going to try and stop these events from happening. There are certain things that signpost things that are happening. So he goes around um, and burn downs, burns down the abandoned houses 
that where these things have happened. So where the murder has occurred and, and people have obviously don't want to live there anymore. Um, he then go, he burns these houses down so that it can't happen again in the same house, um, which is a pretty smart idea. I think it actually, actually does manage to be successful in a lot of things. When he goes back to one of their houses though, he finds that Shannon, um, or Courtney as she's as if in the film, um, and her twin sons, Dylan and Zach, uh, are living there, uh, because they, uh, hiding from her abusive husband um and he is a downright piece of crap he deserves everything he gets uh so yeah so he can't actually um do what he wants he can't burn down the house because they're there and because they're there uh they've already activated the new sequence of events so one of the children um is being groomed uh by the ghosts of the other children in order to kill off his family and continue the cycle that's uh, as as much as the plot as I'm willing to give. It's uh, uh, I actually th- enjoyed this. I was not a big big fan of Sinister One. Um, it it was a it was a superior effort out of this new this sort of seemingly new batch of horror. We sort of seem to go through sort of generations of horror films, you know, sort of the slasher, you know, sort of era and you know the the, the hipster era and you know, the the gore. I can't remember what the name of the, what the what the name of it is, but you know, sort of the hostile saw type area, like the, the really gory crap. Body torture. Uh, yeah, oh, torture porn. There it is. Mm. Um, yeah, and uh, and now we're sort of we're in we're in a sort of a, a new generation of horror um, where people are, are sort of a, a smarter, smarter horror. Um, and I've, up up for most of it, I've actually quite enjoyed it. And it's uh, it's uh, some new interesting takes on on you know the, the concepts of horror. Um, and Sinister was it was okay. It was all right. It did it. it I mean, it's, it's saved mainly by Ethan Hawke, um, who's an excellent actor. Uh, but alas, Ethan is not in this one. Um, but to be honest, I actually found this more enjoyable. Actually, there was just something about the story uh, spoke to me, and uh, it's actually well, I was I was involved in it a lot more than I was with the first one. I think Ethan is just is too good and kind of dominated the film, whereas this one everybody gets a chance to sort of have a bit of a chance to shine because Ethan's not in the film. I recommend it. If you're a fan of uh, the sort of this new breed of horror films, then uh, by all means, check it out. Sinister 2. I give it uh, 2.5 looks. Now, very, very quickly, I'm much quicker than uh, I did for those ones. The Revenant and Creed. Uh, I managed to see some advanced screens of these ones and uh i'll talk about them more uh in our next episode which is our in our uh, best of 2015 uh but just very very briefly the revenant uh it's it's got it's all the hype at the moment uh it stars um leonardo dicaprio and of course that bear scene um and uh it's amazing it is absolutely amazing it's uh it's a visual and audio is audio a word i don't think so I've made up a word. Um, <laughs> just feast. It's a feast for your eyes and your ears. Oral is the word you're looking for. Oral. That's oh, oh, oral. Oral. Not oral. <laughs> Not oral. Oral. Giggity. Uh, it, uh, it is. It is. Uh, it's. It's magnificent stuff, and uh, it's. I, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, and uh, Creed is the story. Is the the next Rocky film? Believe it or not, it's uh, the story of Apollo Creed's uh, illegitimate son, who had a bit of a rough childhood and has now, you know, has grown up to, to be a boxer himself and in the seeks out Rocky Balboa to be his trainer. And it's, it's all about, um, identity and, and being true to yourself, but also being able to let go of the past and, and being able to love. And, and, uh, I've got to tell you, I was impressed. I really was impressed. It's, it stars Michael B. Jordan, who, uh, 
had a, a disastrous turn as Johnny Storm in the, in the latest Fantastic Four film. And i got to say, it, I, I now think it's just all the fault of the film. <laughs> he's actually quite good. And uh, I, think, I thought he was good in Chronicle and he was good, he's good in this. So really, it just, it's, a, it's really a, a good director and a good script and the man can actually do what he's there to do, which is act. Um, and who would have thought that Sylvester Stallone would make me cry? A Sylvester Stallone film. I actually, I seriously got teary at the end of this film, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it is a Rocky film. So if that's if that's your thing and you want to if you want to see a good example of how a Rocky film is meant to be done, then uh, this is the film for you. Uh, let's move on to Clash of Champions, ladies and gentlemen. Semi-final number two. That's right. So there's the winner of this fight will go up against Snake Eyes in the grand final. It's very exciting. Uh, so for this round, the semi-final, we have Ahsoka versus Riddick. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I, will, uh, I will, of course, uh, cheat like I have the last couple of rounds and uh, just cut, cut and paste <laughs> the audio of their abilities uh, into the episode. So expect a, a slight change in audio quality and... Uh, you may even get some voices just show up out of nowhere. Like when I cut, it's when I was cutting Black Widow and Snake Eyes together. Pete, who was uh, <laughs> Pete just showed up yeah, out of nowhere. Pete the Heat just appears out of because he was in the Snake Eyes episode. Yeah. So, which and interestingly enough, so this is this is pretty freaky, right? But the grand final will be in episode one seventy seven, and involves Snake Eyes and whoever wins out of here. And have a guess who our guest for that episode is. Pete the Heat. Pete the Heat. Actually, you, I did not organise this. Are you saying Pete is Snake Eyes? I'm just saying, I just found that just an absolute amazing universal turn of events. It's almost Fargo-esque. It is all, it's, a, it's like an episode of Fargo. <laughs> all right. Okay, so for this episode, we've got Psycho versus Riddick, and here are their abilities. Ahsoka who's nicknamed Snips uh, by her master, who was an Anakin, Anakin Skywalker. So she's a Togruta female teenager. Um, so, because like I said, we're, we're doing the Clone Wars version, so she's still a teenager at this point. Um, and uh, she is a trained Jedi. So she's, she, by, by the end of the show, she's pretty much on the verge of becoming a, a Jedi Knight. Uh, but during the course of the show, she is still technically a Padawan. She has uh, her own lightsaber, of course. Uh, she uses the... So the back hand, the sort of the facing backwards style of, of uh, lightsaber combat. Her main lightsaber is she holds in a, a backhanded grip, uh, and she has another sort of it's not a lightsaber, but it's kind of it's, it's sort of similar sort of deal, like a light, smaller lightsaber blade that she uses uh, to deflect. So the the, the second one is used sort of mainly for the, sort of defensive purposes, and the, the her main lightsaber is used for offensive purposes. Um, so she's actually she's. She's really quite good. Uh, she manages to fight um, quite a lot of people in the show that have shown to be masters. Like she, she duels Asajj Ventures uh, and General Grievous, and, one, uh, and she more than holds her own. Uh, so there's the style, the style of lightsaber combat that she uses is to sort of to offset her natural uh, alien agility. So she also has enhanced agility, uh, which you know, so she's more agile than a normal human. But she also then uses her force to uh, augment that. Um, so you try and keep that in mind. And she uses that for her combat. She's not as strong as being a, a... This is by no means meant to be offensive in any way, but being a teenage girl, she's not as, as strong as some of her opponents are when they're full-grown 
adults and one of them is like a giant cyborg dude. Um, but she uses her agility um, and force enhanced gymnastic abilities in order to basically evade being hit. So she's all about the move out of the way and then dart in for an attack and then so move out of the way. So if you think about that scene and the set it with Yoda bouncing all over the place. Yeah. It's not as ridiculous as that. <laughs> it's, all the, it's a cool scene. It's a, it's a cool scene, but let's be honest, it's kind of silly. Uh, it's, 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 it's cool in its silliness. But, but yeah, similar sort of deal. So, she, so yeah, she basically she jumps around her opponent and you know hits them in the back and hits them in the head and hits them in the leg and all that sort of stuff in order to wipe the way she fights. She's actually pretty damn cool. I love her a lot, Ahsoka. I think she's brilliant. And she also, but she also is uh, quite good in hand-to-hand combat. She also has the ability to... I mean, of course, she has the Force. I mean, that goes without saying. So she has the Force abilities. Uh, but also, um, she has a, a biological ability. So the her race, uh, the ones that have the sort of like those head protrusions, mm. those things are actually, uh, they're organs. They're external organs. And they, you, they're sort of, uh, they use sort of like a, an echolocation sort of deal. That's not quite accurate, actually. I apologize. But it's, it's a similar. It'll give you an idea, basically. She can, she has, she has better spatial awareness than a human would have because of these sort of things. So, so Riddick. Uh, Riddick is a Furian who is uh, is basically a humanoid but with enhanced abilities. So he has uh, enhanced speed, uh, enhanced strength, uh, durability, stamina, healing, that sort of stuff. Not, I mean, not to Wolverine-type levels, but he is faster than a normal human. He's definitely stronger than a normal human because he can uh, lift a couple of tons. His healing factor is... He's pretty good. He basically at one point he he gets he breaks his leg in half and then sort of holds himself up in uh, an abandoned tomb so that the print the hounds don't get to him. And then the next day he's basically essentially back to normal. So he's you know he's he's pretty damn good. Is that his healing factor or is that just bad movie making? Well, he, he does it quite quite a number of times, okay. so, so it is definitely a healing factor. Okay. It's a bad movie <laughs> making. No, no, that, that's an excellent point because we're going to bring that up in a second. He's a, he's basically essentially he's a highly skilled predator. I mean, he's he's the most dangerous prisoner in the universe, and that's the whole the whole the basically the whole point of his character is that he says he can't be contained. Every time he just gets captured, he escapes. He's the only person to ever escape from Botany Bay. Does he bleed? He does bleed. Then yes, we can kill it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're so good at this. Um, yes, he can be killed. He's not immortal. Um, he can also be hurt as well. Uh, but so, so I'll just go through some uh, some things for some of the feats that I found for him. He's uh, uh, he's extremely mobile and stealthy, especially for someone of his size. Has a vast knowledge of how to kill almost any humanoid in a variety of ways. He's an extreme survivalist, and is notoriously hard to contain. When you said survivalist, I pictured Bear grills. <laughs> yeah, well, he's basically he's Bear grills on steroids. Um, so the, part of the survivalist thing, to give you an idea, is he um, he's uh, he gets left trapped on this planet with no way off, and there's this creature that lives in this in this in the war in liquid, and uh, and it's it's essentially a scorpion, right? It's like a like a sea scorpion type deal. He intentionally. And it's poisonous. So he intentionally poisons himself in small doses just to make him ill, to sort of build up a, an, immunity. an immunity to it. So then later on when he's fighting it and it's stabbing him, I mean, it hurts because it's stabbing him, but he doesn't get affected by the poison. So he's vaccinated himself. Yeah, which is pretty sweet. It's pretty cool, actually. Um, so there's, there's other things like that. So he can survive for, you know, for a very long time without any food or water and stuff like that. 
uh, basically he's, he's essentially a killing machine, um, especially with his knives. He has uh, dual blades uh, that are his preferred weapons. Uh, they're not special metal of any kind. They're basically just knives. Uh, so with a knife, he's pretty much he's pretty much unstoppable. But uh, in sort of hand-to-hand sort of stuff, um, he's not really shown using uh, ranged weapons all that much. In fact, if I can't remember seeing him do it once. Uh, now going back to what you were saying before about. Um, is that bad movie writing in the second movie which is awful Chronicles of Riddick it's terrible stuff um, he has an AOE ability that you never see before you never see again <laughs> so, so we're going to discount that he doesn't have that ability for anybody who wants to bring that up he, I'm saying it now he doesn't have it should, he should clearly use it in the third film he never does and so it's like wow well, fuck they must have just forgotten it I was just he got lucky that one time yeah I was thinking more it's like about. Superman throwing that thing on his chest <laughs> <laughs> the cellophane is <laughs> I was thinking more along the lines of someone in a TV show they get injured and then in the next episode they're fine yeah um, so but he's uh, some would say his most important ability is the ability to see in the dark so it's, it's a bit confusing exactly how he come, comes about this ability it's called shining uh, he gets his eyes shot in the games, uh, in particularly one, one game, Escape from Botany Bay, which is an awesome game, by the way. He um, he's surgically his eyes are surgically altered to allow him to see in the dark. Um, and but in the movies, it's it's hinted as being a, an actual genetic trait of his car, you know, caste of 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 people. But anyway, regardless, regardless of how he gets it, he can see in the dark. Uh, so he has super night vision. Like the night is essentially day for him. Um, so none of this infrared bullshit. He's, he actually is just, it's basically just like being in daylight. Now, obviously, the offset of that would be that if he gets uh, blinded by some bright light, it actually affects him quite, like more than it would a normal person. So even if he turns his head, he's still going to get affected in some way. So keep that in mind. Okay. The arena, an 1800 by 1800 feet island, about four city blocks by 400 feet by 400 feet, Filled with typical city stuff, buildings, warehouses, shops, cars. Those shops include gun shops, which we discovered to our delight and last pharmacies. round. Uh, covered by a force field reaching up 700 kilometres. Into space. <laughs> no civilians are present. In space either. Yeah, well, well neither, neither, neither of them can go in. Well, Ahsoka can't survive in space, but she comes from space. Okay. Is this like Captain Kirk? I, I'm not from space. So I just work in space. Yeah, so. also is Riddick actually. He's, he's, he's actually he's not human. He's a he's a Furian. Anyway, so uh, yeah, let's go. Mm, I mean, the Jedi wins. <laughs> well, there you go. Semi final two done. Ahsoka wins. <laughs> Look, you get. I mean, it's all joking aside. You get no argument from me. As I think. Riddick is is gonna. I mean, of course, Riddick is gonna do what he does best, and that's try and find a dark area. Um, Ahsoka is no idiot. She's not gonna go following him into subways or any of that sort of crap. He's not gonna. He, he won't pull the same trick twice. But he'll have to. He'll try and engage her in as much darkness as possible. But she generates her own light. <laughs> I mean, they're called lightsabers. So it's, and you know, the Force as as good as he is. I mean, he's good. Don't get me wrong. He's excellent. But she's a Jedi. You know what I mean? It's like the power of the universe. Whatever she thinks she can do, she can do to within certain limits. I mean, she's no look. I can't argue with that. I just, I just don't think he has much of a chance. I mean, he, he, she could kill him from a distance and she can kill him from up close. Well, he has nothing equivalent to the Force. No. Yeah. Actually, I actually don't even think he's as fast as she is. So even So taking the Force out of the equation completely, right... 
by some small miracle, she can't access the Force. I think he's outclassed in speed, offensive capabilities. I guess the only thing that would be, would be better is that his regeneration and his strength. But you can't hurt what you can't hit. If he could, if he could somehow force her into into the dark, then he may have an edge. But even still, I think I think she's too aware of her surroundings because of the force that even she can't. Essentially, she can't see in the dark, but she can still kind of feel her environment. Yep. Yeah. I actually think this is the so, the fastest Clash of Champions we've ever had because I just I just I cannot I've been thinking about this all morning. I just cannot think of a scenario where we really I, I can knew win. when she got when she got in the competition she could win the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. As a Jedi. Which I like. I like I think she's a cool character. Mm. As a Jedi, I'm she okay used it. to be fighting against <laughs> being forced to the dark side. <laughs> to the dark side. Is that your joke for the day? That's my joke for the day. Awesome. <laughs> so even I mean, even if we pull some sort of miracle and he manages to, let's say, let's say, uh, let, let's just let's just throw just as a throw it in there to make it a little bit more interesting. He finds some way to disarm her, like he sneak attacks her or something, right? Let's let's just say he distracts her, and she doesn't have her lightsabers. He's still dead. <laughs> I mean, just yeah. force force push away. Pinned up against the wall, bang! It's, it's, I just, I just look. I just, I just flat out. I just yeah. can't see. Unless he how took he's out win. the force, which he can't. Yeah, there's no way he could beat her. Exactly, and I mean, I really, I really liked the fight that he had with Cassandra, where he, I mean, he had to ambush her in order to get an advantage on her, <laughs> and I just, but he can't. He's just not going to do this with Ahsoka. I mean, she's aware of her surroundings, light or dark. It doesn't make any difference. So, yeah. That's it. I'm calling it for Ahsoka. I'd vote Ahsoka. Yeah, I can't think of an argument against that. Oh, yeah. Sweet. Well, that's it. Well, that was uh, quite possibly our shortest Clash of Champions. In fact, I think that our talking about it took less time than the description of their abilities. Oh, I can guarantee that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, uh, that's victory for Ahsoka for semi-final two. So that means that it is, in fact, Ahsoka versus Snake Eyes. For the grand final. So, you know, unlike Riddick, Snake Eyes, who's basically a Mary Sue, he's a Gary Sue, he's, <laughs> yeah. he could possibly win. He doesn't have the force, though. He doesn't have the force, no, but he has ninja ninja senses. He is also attuned to the surroundings. So, obviously, we'll talk about it in the actual grand final itself. But she could so, use the force to mess with it. The, the grand final is Osaka and Snake Eyes? Yep. That's pretty. Uh, yeah, that's a pretty good one. Yeah, that's a that's a really good one. Yeah, I, actually, yeah, I think this is a, a, a fight for the ages. So I'm very interested to see how it goes. But uh, so that's uh, episode one seventy seven. Will be uh, Snake Eyes versus Ahsoka Tano. Be there for the grand final. Cool. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my mind just wandered. I was just thinking if if um, Ahsoka somehow appeared in the next movie, how would the, a live action version of her look? It would look terrible. All right, so let's uh, move on to Azerothian Times. Uh, now, I don't have a lot because, uh, as I said at the start, uh, I've become obsessed with board games and X-Wing miniatures, and I've watched more YouTube in the last week than I have in my entire life, and uh, I really haven't really been playing all that. I've been playing stuff all. I've been playing stuff all. Uh, what I have done, though, is that... Uh, Windervale has uh, has appeared in um, 
Azeroth, as it does every time this year. And Windivale is essentially the Azerothian version of Christmas. And uh, one thing they've done this year is they've done a selection of dailies that you can do. So following on from the Halloween thing, they've got a selection of uh, dailies that you complete in order to collect um, this currency. And for Halloween, it was called um, something else. Or something, I can't remember what it was. Uh, but for Winter's Vale, it's, you collect these berry things. And um, to do that, you have to go fight the Grinch his, and uh, his selection of little Grinch minions and rescue some children and destroy some fake presents that are actually secretly bombs and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. It's, it's a good little distraction. It's, it's, it's in uh, the top of northern part of Fire Ridge and um, and it's very easy to do. I mean, it's uh, even my weakest possible character who's my arcane mage, even he was able to uh, kick a bit of butt. So it's really not that hard. When you then trade those in to buy uh, items... A bunch of vanity items and you know toys and various stuff, uh, but the main thing that you do that you buy once you've gotten all those other ways you buy the um, savage gift and the savage gifts has a, has a random uh, prize in it. Um, it's, it varies from um, garrison resources to Apexes crystals to um, an item that gives your followers weapon upgrades, um, medallion of the legion which gives you rep increases. Uh, those XP flask things that you get, you know, give you times multiple XP multiplier flask things. But the most important thing, of course, is a new mount, uh, which is uh, is basically one of those Grinch minions. You get to ride around on one. He looks like a giant Yeti type creature, and uh, yeah, they're, they're proven quite popular. He is actually pretty cool. I finally, I finally got one. I mean, I played enough of the dailies in order just to get the mount, and then I just stopped. And uh, he's uh, he's pretty cool, actually. I don't mind him. He has this really cool sort of uh, growling animation. But uh, other than that, Warcraft, I've just lost all interest. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not even playing right now, really. Like I log in and do my do my like garrison stuff, and and once it builds up to stacks, I sell it on the auction house, and I'm not doing anything else. I was playing my paladin for a little while. I was trying to maybe gear him up and see if I want to do raid on him, in you know during the downtime. But I'm just, I just, I don't know, man. I'm not mm. interested in. I have just wore out this current raid tier, and there is no reason for me to keep doing it. Yeah, I'm with you, dude. I'm bored out of my brain. It's, uh, and, you it's... know, we're doing that whole, like, I don't want to be too negative. Like, we're doing that whole Blizzard waiting game, which is where Blizzard, you know, says, hey, we're going to put out a good product, but you're going to have to wait on it. We're going to do it on our time, but it's going to be worth it when it comes out. And I really feel like, I really feel like uh, it's Legion's going to be awesome. I mean, from what I've seen on the uh, PTR and everything, it seems like everything's looking really good. But I got to say, it looks like Legion is not put together as far as I thought it would be, you know, at this point. Have you been watching any of the PTR videos or anything? Yeah, I've been watching Asmongold's PTR videos. Yeah, they're just, I I thought the game would be more put together right now than it is. I mean, it is heavily in beta. Yeah, I mean, mean, I'm interested in Legion, but I'm actually, I'm going to tell you, I'm I'm so focused on... uh, X-Men miniatures and, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, Imperial Assault and, and uh, various, and, you know, Star, Star Trek Online, I've just I've lost interest. But anyway, let's finish up with uh, Coming Soon. Uh, in Australian cinemas January 1st, we get Point Break, the remake that had to happen. Why? It was a trailer at the start of uh, Star Wars. <laughs> And I've got to tell you, it just looks like shit. 
<laughs> it just looks so but how good. good. How good was the original, really? Oh, it was crap as well. Don't get me wrong. It was also crap. <laughs> it wasn't even Bell's Beach. <laughs> I know, but it just looks so bad. Uh, and uh, But the highlight is uh, we also get the Peanuts movie. Yay! Charlie Brown and Snoopy, the Peanuts movie. It, looks, it does look very cool. Yeah. So, uh, yes, that's it for Australia. What about America? Uh, the Hateful Eight in Yosemite, which The Hateful Eight came out on Christmas Day, I think. I think it's already out, so I don't know why it's saying it comes out the first, but it'll definitely be out on the first. <laughs> and Yosemite. Yosemite, yep. Cool. And then uh, the next week we got some good stuff coming out. The Revenant, is it out? It comes out? Yep. I saw, Revenant it, I, saw it, I saw it in advance. And what, sorry? Okay, you just saw it early. Yeah. Uh, the Revenant in the Forest. The Forest, yeah. That's a new horror film. Oh, okay. Yeah, it sounds pretty cool, actually. Yep, yeah, Revenant, I'm telling you. That's it. It's bloody brutal. Nothing wants to come out while Star Wars is in theaters. Yeah, well, that would be just insane. I haven't seen <laughs> I haven't seen Hateful Eight yet, but I will be seeing it this week. Um, yeah, I'm going to see it, yeah. I did see that crappy Adam Sandler movie, the, the, the whatever six. Yeah, the that, that uh, original. something six. The Ridiculous what? Six or something. I don't know. It is an absolute piece of shit. How did how did Quentin Tarantino just now get a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? I know, it's weird. I feel like he should have had one uh, like forever ago. Yeah. Well, he's a bit of a douche. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's true. That's true. But if you ask anybody ever their top ten favorite movies, I feel like Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs is going to show up in the list. Yeah. Like out of almost anybody. I'm not, it just seems like he should have been on forever ago. I'm not saying he's not talented, but it's maybe he rubbed enough people the wrong way that they were just like, you know what, bugger this. Let's just do what Rob Reiner did. What we were watching the other day, Rob Reiner was in something, and he was, uh, I think it was The Simpsons, he was just covering up the Hollywood star. Instead of Rob Lowe, he put Reiner on there. Because, <laughs> you know, with the, with the stars, you have to be nominated by somebody, and you can't nominate yourself. Yeah. So maybe just nobody nobody liked him enough to nominate him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's got lots of Hollywood friends. I mean, like, I'm sure there's a lot of people that don't like him, but he's got to have a few people that like him, you know? Oh, we know, we know Uma Thurman at least likes him. <laughs> that's about... <laughs> anyway, that's enough Quinn uh, Tarantino bashing. Well, that's it uh, for episode 175. It was, uh, it was a bit epic, yeah, but uh, it was full of awesomeness. I'm sure you'll be appreciative. Appreciative. <laughs> That's what I was trying to say. You have to, to finish the episode now because you can't speak anymore. Yeah, I've lost the ability to speak and I need to go to the toilet really bad. So that's the end of the episode 175. That's it for me and the crew. Crystal. Okay then. And Bo. The entire world can unite under one Star Wars movie. Yeah. It could happen. It could happen. <laughs> <laughs> that's a Superman theme. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to NCP. Thank you for being a part of our crew. If you would like to support the show, you can use the Amazon widget on our website to do your Amazon shopping. If you have any feedback, please go to nerdculturepodcast.com forward slash contact us where you will find a list of the many different ways you can interact with us. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.